And especially in this part of the country, the small towns that you will drive through are historic and charming and the people are so friendly and yeah, little mom and pop shops and diners. And I mean, it really is the slice of Americana that I think... Gosh, I'm getting goosebumps. Were you gonna, are you going to start crying because <laughs> you haven't cried yet cry. in this episode? So you might just put it I in know. right here. <laughs> it is an absolutely beautiful part of the country. And yeah, with this loop, you'll be driving more than 1,500 miles through the heart of it. This is the Dear Bob and Sue podcast, stories from our journey to all the U.S. national parks and other public lands. I'm Karen Smith. And I'm Matt Smith. We're the authors of the Dear Bob and Sue series of books. On today's episode, we're taking you on an epic road trip loop through the heart of Appalachia to four national parks and a National Park Service scenic byway. We'll be traveling to national parks in five states, Mammoth Cave in Kentucky, New River Gorge in West Virginia, Shenandoah in Virginia, and Great Smoky Mountains in North Carolina and Tennessee. From the world's longest cave to one of the oldest rivers on Earth to the most visited U.S. national park, this 1,500-mile road trip has it all. Thanks for joining us as we set off on an Appalachian National Parks road trip loop. You know, Karen, somebody commented recently in an Instagram post. They wondered why we don't spend more time in the public lands on the eastern side of the country. Yeah, their point was that there are a lot of really amazing public lands um, on the eastern side. And, you know, why don't we go there and hike and camp and spend time and, and seek those public lands out? Yeah, we certainly would like to, but... One thing is we live in the West and there are so many places to visit here and we don't have an unlimited travel budget. So it, it's, you know, longer to get over to the eastern side of the country and a little bit more expensive. So, yeah, it really does come down to to the expense. You know, it's ridiculous how expensive airfare, rental cars and hotels have gotten. Every time I look up any of these things, I'm really shocked at how much prices have gone up since, well, probably since covid uh, but there are a lot of great public lands in the East, and we visited many of them, just not over and over like we have some of the Western parks. Yeah, when we travel throughout the West, we always drive our own truck, so we save money on airfare and rental cars, and sometimes we'll camp, and that cuts down on the cost of hotels also. But there are a lot of great parks on the eastern side of the country, and today we're going to talk about a driving loop around the Appalachian parks, or the parks that are in or close to Appalachia. You know, it was interesting because when I looked up what exactly defines Appalachia, the region, it is so much bigger than I thought it was. You know, I always kind of knew West Virginia and Virginia, and, and you know, knew where some of it was, but... Did you know, Matt, that it runs across 13 states and spans 206,000 square miles? Well, Karen, I knew that it covered 423 <laughs> counties because <laughs> I see it right here on the outline. <laughs> there are roughly 26 million people who live throughout this Appalachia range. And here are the states that um, that it includes, okay? So there's... Alabama, Georgia, Kentucky, Maryland, Mississippi, New York, North Carolina, 
Ohio, Pennsylvania, South Carolina, Tennessee, Virginia, and all of West Virginia. Yeah, and that's a huge area. We put together a driving loop that connects four national parks, so you can see a huge swath of this area. It doesn't include all of it, but uh, four national parks and some other National Park Service sites. Right. And we are outlining this driving loop over a span of 10 days because that's how much time most people have for a trip. Now, we know that's an ambitious schedule and it doesn't leave a whole lot of time to spend in each park. So if you have more time available to you, then you can spread it out and have a slower pace. Yeah, we're going to include Mammoth Caves as part of the loop, but that's one that you could drop off if you wanted to shorten the number of days, although you should probably try to fit it in because it's an incredible national park. Well, exactly. So that is why I included Mammoth Caves. You know, not just because I love caves, but Mammoth Caves is really special, and we're going to talk about that in a minute. But first, I want to talk about the pronunciation of Appalachian so we don't get emails telling us we pronounced it wrong. We struggle with this pronunciation. We struggle with a lot of pronunciation (laughs) of words, but this is a particularly tough one. There's Appalachia. There's Appalachia. Uh, I like just calling it whatever comes to mind whenever <laughs> whenever it, it comes up on the outline. Yeah, you know, I've read a lot of articles about this, and there doesn't seem to be a right or wrong way to say it. The pronunciation differs depending on the region of the country. Yeah, I know that uh, disappoints you a little bit because you want there to be a right way so you can tell me I'm wrong. <laughs> Because that seems to be the thing in life that gives you the most joy, is telling me I'm wrong. (laughs) But I'm going to say it, just for you, Karen, I'm going to say it all different ways (laughs) to to cover all groups. And then, for sure, it'll give you something to tell me I'm wrong about. I am looking forward to that. (laughs) Okay, Matt, let's start. Let's just outline what we're going to talk about. We're going to do a loop from starting in Nashville, up through Mammoth Caves, through New River Gorge, Shenandoah, down the Blue Ridge Parkway, ending up in Great Smoky Mountains. And we have individual episodes of a lot of these parks, so you can go to listen to them for a lot more detail. So we're not going to go into in-depth detail of every park, but we're going to include all of those parks in this loop. Right. So this is just to give you some ideas of of how you could do this loop, but obviously you can customize it to, you know, whatever interests you and how long you want to spend in each park. Okay, Matt, let's start our 10-day Appalachian loop in Mammoth Cave National Park in Kentucky. Okay? Okay. <laughs> now, of course, you could fly in and out of anywhere, or if you live close by, you can start this this whole loop. You can start it from wherever you want. And do it in whichever direction you'd like. But we're going to suggest that people fly in and out of Nashville. Right. And, you know, the thing about Nashville is it's become so popular. It's almost like a Las Vegas now. People go for the music and the entertainment and the bars. So the flights to Nashville have become frequent and I think less expensive than some of the other airports. So obviously, as Matt said, you could fly into whatever airport is the least expensive and closest to you. You could start in the other side of this loop in Washington, D.C., for instance. But yeah, for a lot of reasons, we're going to start in Nashville. And from Nashville, the drive to Mammoth Cave National Park is only about 90 minutes. 
Can you believe how quick that is? Yeah, that's that's great. I mean, if you lived in Nashville, that's just that's a day trip. You can get up there and and see the park, do a cave tour, and and go home. Well, exactly. And for all of you people who are going to Nashville for like a bachelorette party or a bachelor party or a wedding or just to listen to the country music, take a day trip to Mammoth. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a fantastic cave. Well, Karen, can you tell us a little bit about <laughs> the cave system? You know, Mammoth is a really special, special cave because it's the longest cave system in the entire world. It became a World Heritage Site in 1981 and an International Biosphere Reserve in 1990. Yeah, so you probably need, what, one day to see that park? I mean, I think you could do it in, in a half a day. Uh, there are several tours. You have to coordinate getting tour reservations. Yeah, you know, you could do multiple cave tours because this cave actually has a lot of different cave tour options. You know, some of the caves, you have one or two choices. This one, there are a lot. And it varies by the month that you're going to be there. Just note, you absolutely want to buy your cave tickets online ahead of time as soon as they go up for grabs because you certainly don't want to include this in your loop and then you got nixed out on the cave tickets. Now, as far as where to stay, there is a lodge in the park, the Lodge at Mammoth Cave, and they have little cottages. We, d- we didn't stay there, but we saw them. Yeah, I wish we would have stayed there. I don't think we knew about that place when we planned our trip. Uh, we stayed in the small town of, what, Horse Cave, Kentucky? Yeah, and that was nice and convenient, but I kind of wish we would have known about those cottages right there in the park. Yes, that would be a cool place to stay. But if you prefer, you know, a chain hotel, there are a lot of small towns. There's also a town called Cave City, uh, and those have, you know, your typical Hamptons and Holiday Inns and things like that. Speaking of Cave City, we want to mention our favorite food tips in these national parks, and there's a really great pizza place in Cave City. Yes, it's called, surprisingly, Cave City Pizza, and it's only about, what, 10 minutes from the visitor center? Uh, You know, we're always seeking out a good pizza place, and we were happy to find one right there, right next to the park. Okay, as far as our 10-day schedule goes, where are we heading next? Well, day one was flying into Nashville and then driving to Mammoth Cave. Day two in the morning would be a cave tour, and then you're going to get in your rental car and you're going to drive five and a half hours to New River Gorge National Park in West Virginia. Yeah, that's a little bit of driving added to your cave tour days. Five and a half hours. I know in the East, that might seem like a long drive in the West. We drive five and a half hours every day just to go (laughs) place to place. Your first stop, you want to go to the visitor center, the Canyon Rim Visitor Center right by the bridge. So when we mapped this, this five and a half hours is taking you to the Canyon Rim Visitor Center area because this park actually has a lot of different areas that you can visit. They're pretty spread out on small roads. So we're taking you to the main section of the park because obviously people are going to want to see the New River Gorge Bridge, which is right there um, along with the Canyon Rim Visitor Center. So you probably want, or at least in this itinerary that we're putting together, you'd want two days there. And there's there's actually a lot to do depending on the time of year. Sometimes the river rafting is better certain times of the year than others, but that's something you definitely want to check out. Yes, they're famous for their river rafting. And we did not do that because when we went, we went with our friends Bob and Sue, and they were not interested in the river rafting. They chickened out. <laughs> I hope they're not listening. 
<laughs> but we would absolutely go back to do the river rafting. You know, if you're not going to do that, like we didn't, there are so many other things to do there. We'll just mention a few. There's some great hiking. We really loved the Endless Wall Trail and Long Point Trail. Yeah, we also did the bridge walk, which was funner than I thought it would be. This is where you're, you go with a tour guide and you walk the catwalk underneath the bridge. Now you're attached to a safety line. Uh, so if you had an accident and you fell, which is like nearly impossible. Uh, but yeah, you're nice and secure. But it's an 800 plus foot drop from where you're standing <laughs> down to the river. Yes. And the views are incredible. This was one of the coolest things we have done, really, the bridge walk. We'll put a link to where you can buy tickets on our show notes. You absolutely want to buy tickets ahead of time because, again, this sells out. But such a cool thing to do. And, you know, I'm afraid of... Um, not so much heights, but drop-offs. I'm afraid of falling. And I actually felt pretty good because we were hooked in. And also there is a little handrail on both sides of this catwalk. So it didn't bother me as much as I thought it would. Yeah, but it's open enough that you get the feel of of um, <laughs> an endless drop. I'm not so scared of the falling more the landing is what, <laughs> what, what gets me. Right. And also, you know, the... Big semi trucks are driving on the bridge above your head. So there's a lot of vibration. And people say on a windy day also, it, it's a little bit scarier. But we should note that the new River Gorge Bridge, unfortunately, you cannot walk across the top of it. It's just for automobiles. Um, so if you want to walk across the bridge, you're doing the bridge walk underneath the bridge. Right. You can also go there on Bridge Day in October. The year we went, it was closed because of COVID. But that's also an event in October where you can walk on the top of the bridge. There's all sorts of activities. People come from all over to base jump off the bridge. Last year, they had 350 jumpers from 39 states and four countries. And you, Karen, you can also rappel off the bridge, uh, look over the eggs and spit. You can do all those things <laughs> on bridge day. Right. One of the great things about public lands in the East are the incredible state parks. There are so many state parks, and there are two that are right next to New River Gorge National Park that you won't want to miss. So there is Babcock State Park, and it has the beautiful Glade Creek Grist Mill. Very picturesque. <laughs> You're going to want to take pictures of it. I think it's the most photographed uh, spot in West Virginia. So yeah, definitely check that out. And there's also, just north of the Canyon Rim Visitor Center, is Hawksnest State Park. Yeah, and they offer jet boat tours. We did not take a jet boat tour, but uh, those are available five days a week. You need to buy your tickets at the park. Yeah, and they go right under the New River Gorge Bridge. And I'm really sorry we missed that because the reviews of this are really great. There's also, I guess, a gondola that takes you down to the river's edge where you board this jet boat. So that would be a really fun thing to do if you've got time to do that. Yeah, also when you're visiting the park, do not miss the town of Fayetteville. It's a great little town. We stayed at the Lafayette Flats. It's kind of a little... I don't know what you call it. It's like a almost an Airbnb condo kind of situation. Fantastic rooms. 
We loved that. Yeah, it's like a little boutique mini apartment. Now, one thing to note on this one, they don't allow kids or pets. It's just for couples. However, if you're going with your kids, going with your family, there's some other great lodging. For instance, Hawks Nest State Park has a lodge and Babcock State Park has cabins to rent. So there are a couple of options there. Another thing you might want to consider is staying at one of the adventure camps. There's Ace and then there's Adventures on the Gorge. And they have activities. It's more than just lodging. Right. They have zip lines. And then, of course, both of these offer river rafting. So a lot of fun things to do there. Again, we penciled in on our itinerary about two days. Obviously, you could spend more and explore the area. And our food suggestion here is in Fayetteville, another pizza place. They're all about pizza, aren't they, Karen? We should, <laughs> well, not we should every- just say that. <laughs> no, not every single one is is a pizza place. Just the first two happen to be pizza. Surprisingly, we do have some other suggestions later on. But, you know, this particular pizza place, which is called Pies and Pints, is not to be missed. Uh, they have great pizza and really great craft beer. Yes, they do. Now, from New River Gorge National Park, On day five, you would drive to Shenandoah National Park in Virginia, which is four and a half hours away if you're going to the front royal entrance at the north end of the park. Yeah, and again, that's on the north end. If you go in through the south, the south end you know, of Skyline Drive into Shenandoah, it's much less time. It's about three hours, a little more than three hours. But because we're doing a loop, we're putting you in at the north end so you can drive down and continue the loop. So on this part of the journey... We're allocating a day and a half for this park. So half of the day is the driving there. And then you have the second half of that day in the park and you have day six there. Now, there are a couple of great places to stay inside the park. There is Big Meadows Lodge or Skyland Resort. We've stayed a couple of times at Big Meadows Lodge. We actually really love that lodge. And the location is fantastic. There's a big visitor center nearby, the Harry Bird Visitor Center Also, when you enter the park at the north end, the Dickie Riggs Visitor Center is another one you'll want to stop at. And one of the best hiking trails in the park is within walking distance from Big Meadows, and that's Dark Hollow Falls. Our food tip for this park is available at Big Meadows Restaurant and Skyland Restaurant, and that's their signature blackberry ice cream pie. Oh, it is so, so good, especially after a long hike in the park. We haven't stayed at Skyland I would love to do that as well, but we've heard really good things about that. So one of the things to do in the park is to drive the Skyline Road there that goes along the ridge of the park. It's about 105 miles long, north to south. And so on this loop, you're going to start in the north and and you're heading south. And it just follows the crest of the Blue Ridge Mountains. Right. Now, it's going to take about three hours to drive the entire length of this because the speed limit is 35 miles per hour. But realistically, it will take you longer because you're going to want to stop at the overlooks and take photos. And there are a lot of really great hiking trails that you access off of this road, including the Appalachian Trail. Right. If you're there and you don't have a ton of time to do hiking, but you want to be able to say you've hiked part of the Appalachian Trail, then the trail runs along the road in many places. But yeah, you can get off and hike a couple of miles on the trail and say say that you did it. 
Um, a couple of add-ons, and this is if you have more time, you can add on Luray Caverns, which is in the little town of Luray, right outside the park. And then something that we did that we would highly recommend is you can visit Monticello, which is Thomas Jefferson's home and plantation near Charlottesville, Virginia. Yeah, we stayed in Charlottesville, so we were able to go to Monticello. They do a really good job with that property there. The bookstores, the visitor center is really well done. The property itself is well kept. You can go through the house and the lands. The gardens in the back, where I thought were fantastic. And from the gardens in the back, you have this great territorial view. I really enjoyed that a lot more than I thought I would. Yeah, so did I. And we didn't even realize until we visited that Monticello is a UNESCO World Heritage Site. So that's pretty cool. But there are a lot of different tours that are offered. So we did the self-guided tour like we usually do. But there are group tours. There are tours to different parts of the plantation, depending on what you want to see. So you can take a look on their website. They have a beautiful website. Find out what tours are available the day you're going to be there. You can even buy your tickets online. But if you have extra time, this is a great stop. Yeah, it really is. Now, back to our loop. If you come out of the southern end of Shenandoah National Park, so you're driving you're driving along the park road, at the southern end at Rockfish Gap, you then connect with the Blue Ridge Parkway. Exactly. It's so great because now you're at the northern end of Blue Ridge Parkway and you can drive this all the way to our next stop, which is Great Smoky Mountains National Park. But Matt, before we go into that, I want to talk about Blue Ridge Parkway for a minute, and I have just a little bit of a history channel. Oh, you're going to give us the history of this? (laughs) I can't wait. (laughs) You didn't think there was going to be a history channel on this one, did you? (laughs) Yeah, I didn't didn't read the entire outline before we started recording. So yeah, I'm sure it's fascinating, Karen. It is fascinating. But first, I got ahead of myself. First, let's just mention, I think we did before, it is a National Park Service site. Yes, it is. It's 469 miles long, and you can drive the entire length, and you're not going to go very fast. Uh, I I think the speed limit is anywhere from 35 to 45 miles per hour, and there are going to be other cars, and there's going to be plenty of things to stop and look at along the way, including 369 miles of hiking trails. So you might want to stop and and do a little hiking also. Yes. You know, we have just one day budgeted for Blue Ridge Parkway here. So we have you driving all 469 miles in one day, which is doable. But if you have the time, this would be a fun area to explore for multiple days, right? And do some hikes. Um, There are also, Matt, 176 bridges along the parkway. And this is 10% of all the road bridges in the National Park Service. That's fascinating, Karen. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But lots of small towns and waterfalls and places to explore. Okay, but back to the history of this for a second, because I think it's really interesting, as all history is. So, 
The idea for creating this Blue Ridge Parkway was born when President Franklin Roosevelt visited the newly built Skyline Drive in Virginia in 1933. At that point, U.S. Senator Harry Byrd of Virginia suggested to the president that the road should be extended to connect with the recently established Great Smoky Mountains National Park. Roosevelt met with the governors of Virginia, North Carolina, and Tennessee and asked that a planning team be created. And at the end of 1933, the Interior Secretary approved this park-to-park highway as a public works project. I'm not allowed to speak during History (laughs) Channel. I know you you, you paused and wanted me to add color to the history description, but I'm afraid. I know you are. I will accept questions. So if you have any questions along the way, you could just raise your hand and I will stop. I will pause and answer questions. I don't have any questions yet. Okay. So as you can imagine, building the parkway was a cooperative effort of many agencies and individuals at the federal, state, and local levels. The states of North Carolina and Virginia acquired most of the land and deeded it to the federal government, while other lands were turned over to the Park Service by the U.S. Forest Service. And most of the construction was done by private contractors, but... A variety of New Deal public works programs were also put into place, including, guess who, the Civilian Conservation Corps, the CCC. I'd just like to interrupt for a second, Karen, your history channel. But I got to say, back in the day, they were making parks right and left. You know, somebody had an idea to let's make a park over here and they just did it. Let's build a 469-mile road They just... Yeah, they had a few chats with the governors, and then they started doing it. Like, we need to get back to that way of thinking. I know. Well, and as we talked about when we did our entire episode on the CCC, you know, that era, the the 1930s and early 1940s, was such a boom for the public lands. I mean, all state parks were literally created from nothing. Um, And so... Thank goodness, you know, the the Depression was obviously a terrible time, but because the CCC was created from that era, look at what we have now. I know. We're still literally 90 years later seeing the benefits of all of that work. All right. So when World War II began, approximately 170 miles were open to travel and another 160 miles were under construction. But by the early 1950s, only half of the Blue Ridge Parkway was completed. So it's slow going. And as you can imagine, this is a mountainous wilderness area. So it's taking a lot of a lot of infrastructure to get a road through there. And the entire parkway wasn't finished until 1987. Why is that, Karen? Well, it was because of the final piece of the puzzle, Matt. It took until then to finish building the very last bridge, and that is called the Linco Viaduct. And in order to protect the fragile habitat around Grandfather Mountain, they designed this uh, this viaduct, which turned out to be an award-winning complex concrete bridge. I guess this was very difficult to do, took a very long time, a very complex last final piece of the parkway. But it's complete now, and you can see it at milepost 304 on the Blue Ridge Parkway. Right. So 
There are a lot of great websites that talk specifically about Blue Ridge Parkway from milepost to milepost and talk about hikes and places to stay and waterfalls and points of interest. So if you are going to drive the Blue Ridge Parkway, definitely do some research online. There is just a wealth of information about points of interest along the road. And you know what's great about this loop, Karen? What, Matt? Is that when you get to the southern end of the Blue Ridge Parkway in Cherokee, North Carolina, you're right there at Great Smoky Mountains National Park. I know. So so many great things. Yeah. A really great park to wrap up your trip. Right. So on our schedule here, we have two days in Great Smoky Mountain National Park, and I'm hearing everyone who lives around there gasp and think, two days is not enough. <laughs> it's not enough, but it, but it's a good start for a 10-day or two-week road trip. Yes, for sure. You can get a feel for the park. And just a couple of highlights that you won't want to miss are the Observation Tower at Klingman's Dome, which at 6,643 feet is the highest point in the park. Also, another great viewpoint is the newfound Gap Overlook. You can pull over off the road at that and take in the views. You can also tour the Mingus Mill. It's a working grist mill. Another grist mill. Yeah, another grist mill. So so you're going to get a couple of grist mills in on this loop. Uh, You can hike part of the Appalachian Trail again in the park. You could drive to Cades Cove, hike the Alum Cave Trail. Yeah, there's a lot of great things to do in the park. Yeah, it's going to take more than a couple of days to, to do it all, but... Here are some things that, a a sampling if you're there for just a couple of days. Right. And most people stay in the town of Gatlinburg, Tennessee, on the west side of the park. That's where we stayed. Tons of hotel and lodging choices there. You know, there are some other small towns around the park. So, you know, can do your research if you don't want to stay in Gatlinburg, which is pretty touristy and crowded. So maybe that's not your thing. Well, yeah, there's a lot of things to do in Gatlinburg. You go get some fudge. Yes. Buy a t-shirt. <laughs> uh-huh. Go to a rock shop. Right. Go visit the animatronic bears that are welcoming you to the various restaurants. Yes. Uh, I hope they're still there. There's a lot to do in Gatlinburg. You might have to add a whole extra day. And our food tip for this park is in Gatlinburg. Yes, the Pancake Pantry. Who doesn't love pancakes? No one doesn't love pancakes. And that's why this place can be crowded in the mornings. But the line seems to move really quickly, and it's definitely worth the wait to try their pancakes. So we're just scratching the surface here of the stuff you could do. It's it's kind of a sampler. You're going to want to come back. You're absolutely going to want to come back. And then wrapping it up on day 10, we have you driving from Gatlinburg back to Nashville, which is three and a half hours, and then flying home. So if this is your plan, you would not want an early flight. You'd want an afternoon flight to give yourself plenty of time. Yeah, and a loop like this or any of these national park itineraries that we talk about, so much of the fun of doing these is what I call all the to and from. You know, just getting there. The places that we're not going to tell you because we don't know about them, you're going to find them on the road, the little diners to stop in, the little places that uh, you see that you just want to stop and go into. And, And that is as much fun as these incredible national park sites. 
And especially in this part of the country, the small towns that you will drive through are historic and charming and the people are so friendly and yeah, little mom and pop shops and diners. And I mean, it really is the slice of Americana that I think... Gosh, I'm getting goosebumps. Were you gonna, are you going to start crying because <laughs> you haven't cried yet cry. in this episode? So you might just put it in right here. <laughs> it is an absolutely beautiful part of the country. And yeah, with this loop, you'll be driving more than 1,500 miles through the heart of it. Now, we want to talk about, though, something that's really important when you're planning this. You know, this is a lot of logistics. So we would suggest a spreadsheet. Matt, you're always a fan of spreadsheets. Yeah, you'd like to do a trip like this where it's it's a loose itinerary and you kind of go with the flow. However, if you do it that way, a lot of times you'll arrive at a park and the thing that you want to do is not available. So uh, because these places have become so popular, you really do have to go point by point to the extent you can and then kind of check if... <laughs> If that thing you want to do is available that day, it's, it also then extends to lodging because you got to get lodging in all, all of these places. So it does take some coordination. We don't really have any like hidden secrets to doing it other than you just got to pay attention to the details and, and do your research up front. And the other thing that we have found through trial and error is before you set your dates, if you have some flexibility, look at the airline flights first. First, because certain days are more expensive to fly, certain airports are more expensive to fly into, depending on where you're coming from. So I'm not saying book it before you plan your trip, but look at it. We've made the mistake before of setting our dates, booking our lodging and everything, and then we go to do the airfare and we're like, oh my gosh, if we would have adjusted this by one day, we could have saved half on airfare. So it's a lot of coordination. Yeah, it, cer- it certainly can be. And I would just say that getting those details correct before you go can make a big difference in the quality of the trip. So yeah, you're going to have to spend a a little bit of time checking out the details. One more thing we should talk about, Matt, is when, when is the best time to do this loop? Well, yeah. I mean, I would think that winter would be the worst time. Mm -hmm. So let's start there. Mm -hmm. Um, The other three seasons are probably great. I mean, it can get hot and humid in the summer. So spring and fall are probably the best. Clearly, with fall and in this area, you're going to have a lot of autumn colors. So that would be great. What we found out in New River Gorge, the rafting wasn't as great in the fall as it would be in the spring because of runoff. But yeah, I, I would say spring or fall. And for all of you who are traveling with your kids over summer vacation, this is also a good time to go. So many fun things for kids to do in these parks. And I think fall would be my favorite season in this part of the country. Two years ago in October, we did this trip um, a little bit modified with Bob and Sue. We went to, because we were coming from Detroit, we did Cuyahoga, New River Gorge, and Shenandoah. And gosh, October is probably the prime time to do it because of the fall colors. However, it's also going to be a fairly crowded time. It is. And if you're going to do fall, one other trip planning thing that you're going to have to pay attention to, which we always forget until the last minute, is it's college football season. And so depending on the towns that you're staying in, if it's a college town, sometimes if it's game day, you're not going to be able to find a hotel room or the ones you find are going to be expensive. And I know that might sound like a trivial detail, 
but it can be non-trivial once you start planning. Yes, we've run into that before many times. We were like, why are there no hotel rooms available in the entire town? And it's because they're hosting a college Yeah, or why is it $150 a night on Thursday, but $400 a night on Saturday? And that's why. Yeah, Um, but this would be a really fun trip to plan if you like the planning process. But again, I would go park by park and outline the mileage, how long it's going to take you to drive, where you want to stay, Google some, you know, points of interest that you might want to see along the way, get your cave tour tickets, all that stuff and get it all lined up. And then we'll have such an amazing Appalachian National Park road trip loop. I know now that you've talked about it, we should do this. I'm I'm ready to go. (laughs) All right. Get that spreadsheet out. All right. And that wraps it up for today's episode. Thanks for joining us today. We are switching things up a bit this month. Next Thursday will be our monthly mailbag episode. And then the last Thursday in October will be our Halloween episode. Hope you're all out enjoying the fall and we'll see you next week. Mm -hmm.